I felt like I was just waiting for more bad news because when you've already, when things have already felt like they're getting worse and worse, it's hard not to yeah. believe they, that they kind of spiral. Happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I normally consider myself to be a pretty positive person. And this was like calling a lot of that into question where I was like, okay, well, I mean, this is, this is like not correct, but this is like the internal monologue, right. Of like, yeah, the positivity didn't work. The gratitude didn't work. Like (laughs) I, and here I am. And of course it's like, that's not the point of being grateful and looking at the, the world positively. But in the moment, it's easy to feel. Question your values and the person yeah. you are. Yeah. Welcome or welcome back to the Virtual Podcast, Rani Long. I'm your host, Francesco Puppi and I'm a professional athlete for Nike and also a Bertrand coach. Today's guest is Abby Hall, a professional tour runner living in Flagstaff, United States, sponsored by Adidas Terex. I wanted to have Abby on the podcast in a very particular situation, which is definitely not an easy moment for her. It's a moment of struggle, or at least not what people generally associate with the life of a professional athlete. Abby had a big injury earlier this year. She broke her leg while training a few months ago, and she also experienced some complications before having surgery and during her recovery. I think there is a lot of value in sharing our struggles and painful experiences and not just the victories and positive moments. And personally, this conversation was very, very inspiring and made me think a lot. So I wanted to thank Abby for opening up and being so transparent about her own experience through this difficult time. Before we go, for those who are new here, Bertrand is the number one training app for trail and ultramarathon runners of all levels. Our mission is to make trail running accessible to everybody everywhere through affordable coaching. That's why all our coaching plans cost $25 a month. With your Bertrand subscription, you will get a personal coach who checks in with you each week to answer your questions, adjust your training plan, and keep you accountable and inspired. For those who want to give training with Vertran a try, you can take 30% off your first month of training with the code RUNNINGLONG30. RUNNINGLONG30. So here we go. Without further ado, please welcome Abby Hall. Abby Hall, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Francesco. Thank you. I'm happy to be here with you. Great to see you. Um, Great to catch up with you. Um, You too. First, like, uh, just how are you and uh, where are you at the moment? Well, first of all, congrats on OCC. But <laughs> thanks. Uh, I, which I want to hear more about, but um, I am, you asked how am I and where am I? I think I am doing well and I am uh, currently in Austria, Badgestein, Austria. Just got here over the weekend um, where I will be doing a three-week kind of rehab boot camp, if you will, um, as I recover from my current injury and surgery. Um, so I'm really excited about the the upcoming month. Great, great. And I think it's a, it's a great choice. Uh, I mean, maybe it's a little sacrifice to stay away from home for a lo- relatively long time, but um, it'll be worthwhile. Um, for sure. Like, I'm kind of almost thinking of it like I would if I were going to a training camp. Um, yeah, exactly. It feels 
feels really good to me to be uh, like on the move uh, just because I think so many parts of my life came to a screeching halt along with the injury that it feels nice to um, still have the motion that comes from like plans, going places, seeing the team um, because those parts don't have to any to have to do with necessarily running. Yeah. Yeah. And it also keeps you engaged and motivated uh, even through the rehab, which is never an easy process, at least in my experience. And yeah. uh, thinking about like my, my latest big injury, um, I also went to a sort of like camp uh, where they had facilities and doctors and experts that could take care of me. And even just like the logistic aspect of having access to those services yeah. is great, especially yeah. for a pro athlete as you are. So yeah. congrats for the decision. Thank and, you. Uh, I've yeah. heard good things about like anyone who's gone and done, done things like that for injuries. Um, and a lot of this is, is new to me, but it feels, yeah, feels like a way to approach it that yeah, it just reminds me of training and moving myself forward as an athlete in general. So, yeah. Exactly. Like it's, it's part of our job. Like as we, you know, we train uh, day in and day out, but when we are facing an injury or a hard time for whatever reason, um, it's harder to find the motivation, but we'll still need to, to show up every day and put in the work. And this is what we can do. Oh, what what you can do actually at the moment. So, um, yeah, that's great. So, um, the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast and, uh, I've actually been thinking about this for a quite a long time. Um, like I didn't want to have you after a race or like a great victory. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have you in this particular moment of your athletic career, which is definitely not an easy moment because it's a moment of struggle or at least um, a moment, like not what people generally associate to the life of a professional athlete or a professional trail runner as you are. Because, you know, when people think about athletes, they always tend to think about their victories, their success, um, which is definitely what makes them the athletes that they are. But there are like very limited moments, uh, very distinct experiences in their lives and uh, in general not the standard of what our life is like so like first maybe it's worth giving yourself a short introduction um just who you are um what makes abby abby um and then we'll talk about your injury uh, your recovery and uh, your your past year experience yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Abby Hall and I'm a professional trail and ultra runner for Adidas Terex. Um, I have been running most of my life. Um, I ran my first trail race when I was a kid in like fifth grade. Um, I was like 10 years old, whatever that is. And, um, really never stopped. Um, I was, I kind of consider myself as like a, uh, like above average runner through like high school and college, but like never would have seen myself uh, having a professional career. Where did you um, go to college? I went to college in um, the Midwest, Wheaton College. Um, it's like a small liberal arts school in the U.S., Division Three. 
Um, Are you from the Midwest? Yeah, I am. I'm from the Chicago area. Oh, cool. Yeah. Because I was uh, an exchange student in Indiana, so I'm kind of oh. familiar with the area. <laughs> so cool. Oh, yeah. we're in Indiana. Muncie, Indiana. Actually oh, cool. near Muncie, Indiana. Gaston. Yeah, wow. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Got a dose of dose of the Midwest, the real American experience. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. like so like ran um through college, but really um I think I always felt like my theme as an athlete in school was like, um, uh, kind of like we could never figure me out, you know, like the training was there, but my mindset just wasn't quite there. And I felt like I would kind of cave under pressure, underperform. Um, and so I felt like kind of an unreliable racer. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of athletes have this that, you know, run in school, have this experience where then you kind of, uh, wake up the day after school's over and kind of realize, well, I guess I'm still going to go for a run. Or maybe some people don't feel that way when they finish. Um, and so I really, um, continued, um, from a place of, of loving it. And for a while it was just that, like I went and lived in Los Angeles and I was a graphic designer. Um, and that's like how I, yeah, made a living for a good number of years before, um, before ultimately having the opportunity to run professionally. Um, but during that time, um, like when I was living in Los Angeles, found myself craving being in the mountains more and more. Um, and that was something that at the time wasn't really tied to running at all. That was like, like I would go to the mountains on the weekend and then come home and catch up on like miles for like prepping for like whatever, like a road marathon I'd signed up for or something. But like the mountain part of my life very much existed in the context of climbing um, because that was something I'd done a lot in college and really enjoyed and above all really enjoyed like the culture around. Um, and so like I would often go to like, uh, like, climbing festivals and things like that in California and just show up with my climbing gear and no friends to climb with and be like, Hey, I'm Abby. You want to climb? And <laughs> it was like, um, I was always just like looking for people to climb with and trying to get out for adventures with. Um, and so, yeah, then, um, kind of that part of my life started to, um, become more and more important to me until I ultimately decided to make the move to Boulder, Colorado in 2016 um, and I think during that year before I had just started to hear about trail and ultra running, um, and it just felt like it aligned, it like brought together so many things that I loved about life. Like I was craving being around a like-minded community, spending more time in the mountains and like running was something I had always been loving the whole time. Um, and so yeah, moved to Boulder with this threat, you know, wanting to follow this thread of, um, can I run an ultra? Do I want to do, you know, um, like, do I, do I believe I'm capable of something like this? Um, and like, do I want to be involved in that kind of thing? And, um, yeah, moved to Boulder, started going to every group run in town and trying to make friends <laughs> that wanted to do things in the mountains on the weekends. And that's where I met uh, my husband, Cordis. Um, we met at a group run there and kind of like 
I think that that period of time on in my life is just when I felt the most me. Like I, I know that I'm not defined by being an athlete and there's a lot of other like parts to me, but like, I, I do feel like when I, um, started that part of my life is just like when I was became happiest and felt like the most self-actualized and felt like myself. And I think it was just because there were so many things colliding that, that, um, yeah, that felt like me. And I think it was easy to go through a lot of my twenties feeling, um, um, feeling like I was just trying to be something, you know, like trying to be cool and creative and like, um, you know, like, but not really understanding what exactly yeah exactly and so um yeah then i had that feeling too yeah yeah um and i I feel grateful for the sport and that it's um it just feels like a, a really safe place and like i feel like i can just be myself um and so i guess then like to zoom in maybe a layer further and to just like my running career a little bit. Like I would say it, I, it's definitely not just been like smooth sailing since I started running those first ultras. Um, there were a good number of years there of really chipping away at it. Um, before like, maybe I'll describe it as before, like the reality of my performance lined up with my expectations of it. Um, and uh, and then of course, you know, that's then once that happens then you level up and you have bigger dreams and <laughs> more missed expectations and that's the journey. Um, but I think I came to quickly realize that, um, embracing failure and like the, the greater arc and storyline of myself as an athlete would have to become something I embraced if I wanted the sport to play the role in my life that it does. Um, and, uh, yeah, tried to kind of quickly become comfortable with speaking openly about failures and the process, um, rather than being embarrassed of them. Um, cause I think there's definitely that tendency, right? Like your first big goal that you fail at, like that you really put time, effort, energy, heart into had big expectations. And then like when none of that works out, like there's this tendency to want to just sweep it under the rug and move on to the next one. Um, and of course you think it's easy to finish those experiences and look around and go, is anyone else failing? Like I, I've, I don't feel like anyone is, am I the only one? Like, is it just me? Um, and so I wanted to like, almost it's like become someone that like if people follow me or whatever like that they might think of when they have those own moments in their life because I sometimes felt like I was trying to find that person of like who can I look to right now that's like also failed in these ways that like hurt your heart so much and uh you know that that became kind of a a guidepost for me as I transitioned from like amateur to like trying to build a lasting career at this because I also know that like results come and go but I believe it's um like ultimately who we are that can like be the most lasting part of being involved in a sport um at least that's how I like to look at it beautiful and um 
yeah, it's definitely part of the reason why you inspire me a lot. And you've made me feel less alone <laughs> through my failures and uh, my difficulties. And um, it's something I've always appreciated about you, like being so open and authentic and um, not hiding um, maybe your dark sides or when something was not going the way that you wanted. You've always been very open, um, especially on so social networks. And uh, that's not so common to see, even if some people are starting to to be more open. And um, I think us are starting to realize the value of this um, of this approach to to the sport, but not just sport. Um, I like to to think that it's an approach to life. And um, well, there there were so many things that I wanted to comment on um, about your your introduction, but. Um, I think uh, they'll come back through our conversation. There are also a lot of overlaps, um, not just the Midwest aspect of um, where we <laughs> we grew up, at least for a number of years of our life. Um, also, the fact that, for example, I was also, um, you know, running since a very young age, but not necessarily running in the mountains. But I've always gone to the mountains for hikes and spend time in the nature with my parents with my friends backpacking and such um so i've discovered trail and mountain running later on when i was uh almost 20 um and i was actually thinking about another aspect that is more like related to training um that i heard in a podcast with um um Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I I have his name, but is it uh, uh, Alexander? Sorry, <laughs> that's obvious. Um, where he was mentioning like that, of course, he's a climber and he also loves running, but he says that running is the worst training ever for rock climbing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking that was funny and. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're still climbing or like how you feel about that aspect of your training. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. that's funny. I think I I am not still climbing as much as I used to. I think I was yeah. juggling them both uh at first and then just quickly got really, yeah, got really focused on improvement <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. it does requires a totally different uh set of skills, but also like there is that underlying mindset piece with climbing too of um yeah, managing fear and keeping like an inner calm that. Uh, yeah, also like figuring out the problems and the challenges of, you know, a wall or just being in the mountain and uh, the patience that it requires. Um, also, like, I think the community aspect is very attractive, at least for me. Um, I've read uh, many books about climbing and i i like the community even if i don't climb so yeah. it's definitely a trait of um, the sport that overlaps with uh, ultra trail and ultra running totally and i think that like the the quality that i really loved was just like doing big things with people and then like sitting around at the end of the day and exchanging horror stories of how you epic epic out there and how you worked through it and like what you do differently next time. And like, 
that kind of bonding over the grittiness of it was something that I just thought I just wanted to be a part of just like really drew me in. Um, and yeah, yeah I feel like that way with ultras as well. Yeah. Exactly. Trail running. Cool. Um, so let's move on to, um, maybe this year and, uh, your big injury, which maybe if you feel comfortable with it, you will tell us about, um, you broke your leg a few months ago and, uh, I think you're now walking with crutches, um, around 12 weeks after your accident. And, uh, I was thinking that two main reasons why I asked you to come on the podcast is because one, I, I still care about you. Um, not just after, you know, you win a race, but I wanted to hear from you even through this difficult period. And two, because I think there is a lot of value in sharing our struggles and painful experiences. And I can relate to this a lot because last year I broke my left elbow twice. Um, so I was like going through a very similar experience, even though I could walk. Um, especially the first accident was particularly difficult because the recovery took a long time. It was very painful and I felt like they were not taking care of me properly. Um, so like, yeah, it was a challenging time. Um, so yeah. Can you talk about the accident you were out running, um, training what happened? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, too, like, I do appreciate that, uh, that you, yeah, reached out like during this time to talk about it because I, I think it's really important to be honest about this right now and not, it'd be easier to be like more honest about it. Right. When it's like, however Over. many, however long from now, and I'm like doing really well and looking back on this hard time, it feels like safer to talk about it in that way. But I do want to be, be open with, with how I've been feeling right now. So yeah, thanks for, thanks yeah, for like, wanting course. to talk about it. And uh, also, you know what, like, I'm totally like, a lot of people like of course reach out to you or write you or support you after a victory or a success but not many people do the same when you're going through a hard time and that's understandable to some extent but i would like to shift the perspective a little bit so this is why i i decided to to reach out to you <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you understand after like what you went through last year and, and I, I certainly have gained like a, a new empathy moving forward for, um, for people that might go through similar circumstances. And I think it's something before that I just didn't really necessarily have the words for or know how to engage with. Um, so yeah, always learning. Um, but yeah, I guess a bit about what happened. Um, I was, out for an easy run. Um, this was a few days after I had, um, done a race in Flagstaff, actually a 50 K. Um, and I, yeah, had felt great in the race. Um, this wasn't a part of my body or area where I had any existing issues. I had been at my physio the day before, um, things were feeling great. The body was recovering well. Um, and I was just out for an easy run and about, 10 minutes from home, just like took a bad step where I came down too hard on my heel and my knee popped 
backwards out of socket and then um, loud pop back in, um, kind of all in the air. So I actually didn't even really fall or anything. It all just happened in the air of going out of socket and then back in. And then I just doubled over in pain. Um, and yeah, then um, had Cordis, my husband, um, come out to evacuate me, but then we realized we needed some more hands. So um, our friend, Tom Evans was staying with us getting ready for Western States. And we called Tom, Tom came out and those two basically just carried me out and took me to the hospital. And um, that was a very painful, like half mile uh, out of the woods took us a while, um, but it was, uh, it's memorable looking back. Um, yeah, found out that um, I had fractured um, my tibial plateau um, and then got an MRI, which also revealed a number of things, additional things wrong um, in the area. So ultimately my surgery was a bone graft at my tibial plateau, um, LCL reconstruction, tibiofibular joint reconstruction and medial meniscus repair. Um, so there were about five weeks between the initial accident and my surgery. And that's because I also got a very bad blood clot during that time mm. in my leg. So they couldn't, um, they had to postpone the operation a bit to get that to a more stable place just because it's um, a bit risky going under yeah. anesthesia and into a major surgery with a blood clot. Um, and then even once I did the surgery too, they, you know, couldn't use a tourniquet. They couldn't do a nerve block and some different protocol because of, um, the GVT. And so that definitely introduced like this other greater element of just kind of like medical fear for me, which was something new. Um, and yeah, it made it really emotional because yeah, for, um, it was a pretty large blood clot that they found, um, that happened like right after the fracture, which I've now learned that, um, you know, like having a, a fracture can make a blood clot more likely to form because of like some different proteins, I believe that are released in your blood. Um, but yeah, like, I guess I lost my train of thought, but like, um, yeah, it introduced some new fears to have this ongoing fear over the summer. And even through recently of, is this going to travel to my heart and lungs? Um, mm -hmm. And there were definitely some scary days in there. Um, but I feel um, like after surgery, a big weight was lifted and that I was able to, um, yeah, we had a successful surgery. I have an amazing team that I'm working with um, at the Stedman Clinic in Vail, Colorado. And, um, and then, yeah, the weeks since surgery have felt a lot more positive and we've been able to see that like, my blood clot slowly healing. It's slowly going down in size, um, and was in a good enough spot that like I was safe to, to make this trip over here. Um, but it's, it's definitely been a, a long and different summer than planned. Yeah. So as I understand this, um, has slowed down the, the recovery process. Um, because like the blood clot was basically like an additional problem that you had to deal with together with the, the fracture. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And then I think paired with the, um, the different like ligament and ligament and meniscus and damage and such, um, there was just like 
scope creep kept happening. You know, it kept, it went from at first feeling like, oh, broken leg, I'll be out for eight weeks to, uh, okay. You know, I, I remember even saying in the hospital, oh, at least it's like no ligaments or tendons are damaged. And then like yeah. two days, ligaments and tendons are damaged. Okay. At least, at least I'm healthy. Oh, okay. Blood clot. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, and how does that make you feel like finding out or like experiencing all these setbacks, um, or like unexpected things that add up, um, because like usually I think one of the challenges, even for, you know, minor injuries is when maybe like you go to the doctor or to the physio and they tell you that you're supposed to rest for, you know, two weeks and then two weeks become four weeks or six weeks or whatever. And you never really know how to like what's going on or like things add up more stress, more issues to deal with. Um, so how did that make you feel? I mean, there was definitely a period of time where I felt like I was just assuming more bad was going to happen. Like mm. there was kind of, there was like a few really scary days with the blood clot where they, they were concerned that it had traveled to my heart and I had to like get a series of tests that where I was just, I felt like I was just waiting for more bad news because when you've already, when things have already felt like they're getting worse and worse, it's hard not to yeah. believe they, that they kind of spiral. Happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I normally consider myself to be a pretty positive person. And this was like calling a lot of that into question where I was like, okay, well, I mean, this is, this is like not correct, but this is like the internal monologue, right. Of like, yeah. The positivity didn't work. The gratitude didn't work. Like <laughs> I, and here I am. And of course it's like, that's not the point of being grateful and looking at the, the world positively, but in the moment it's easy to feel. Question your values and the person yeah. you are. Yeah. Yeah. Like these things are somehow um, like I was lacking some moral quality that this is all supposed to be teaching me or something like that. And um, yeah, that, that question of kind of like, is this some big thing that was meant to happen and meant to teach me things or does this just suck? Like I still look at it maybe both ways. Um, and I think I'm ultimately in a place now where I'm able to be, I'm actually feeling really positive about the injury right now where I feel like I'm looking in hindsight and I'm like, no, this was absolutely meant to happen. And this is going to be the most important thing that happened to me. And like, I'm looking at it very optimistically now, but it's really good. It's been a very conscious choice Yeah, because I got to a breaking point this summer where um, I was really, really depressed. Um, and it was like right after the operation and I had like all of the pain meds and like, I just, it was such a horrible rotten place I was in mentally. Um, and I think I just got like exhausted of feeling that way yeah. and started realizing that like, if I could even just tell myself, um, to assume the best, like, like even say in a small scale of time, right? Like, um, 
okay, like being scared that something's gonna happen with my blood clot, like to shift that to like, okay, well, I'm going to assume that, you know, this afternoon, nothing's going to happen. It's going to be okay. I would realize that telling myself that made myself momentarily feel better. And so like the scale starts to creep out where it's like, okay, assume that like, you're going to get some better range of motion this week and that the exercises are going to go well. Like, of course the road is rockier than that. And, um, there's not always that level of improvement, but I realized just that that mindset was making me feel more peace in the moment. Um, and started to kind of, I think, trick my mind a little bit into just feeling less assuming of negative things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe it was a little bit of tricking my mind. Um, so there's also like this blend of like being brutally honest with how you're feeling. And sometimes you just need to be like, nope, you've just got to go do this hard thing, or you've just got to face this crappy thing. Um, so like, like all things that, that duality exists, if that makes any sense. I think there is a huge value in what you just said. Um, and I wanted to highlight a couple of things. Um, first one, first aspect is like, I think when we don't feel equipped with the tools, um, that are required to face a challenge that's when it's a real challenge because when we do have the tools it's a situation that we are actually able to face and we just need to be able to you know pull out those tools and put them into use um so that was like a truly challenging situation that you were not prepared for and that you learn to face and overcome. And um, the second thing is like how you found the strength to flip things and uh, shift the perspective from like a limited and maybe negative one to like a constructive approach to to the issue, to the, to the challenge. Um, I'm like, I'm interested in, I don't think there is like a moment where this completely shifts. Like it's not just, you know, waking up one day and wanting to feel a different in a different way or like a simple action, single action that um, you take and completely change the way you feel about your issue, but it's a, uh, the repetition of a number of things and maybe some, you know, um, things that you try to tell yourself, um, some internal monologue, as you mentioned, um, that starts to work through your, your mind, your subconscious and, uh, gradually shift the way you see the challenge. Was that how it, was or was that different and uh did you reach out for help did you talk to a therapist or something if you're comfortable with telling that oh yeah yeah. i'm I'm happy talking about all this um let's see so it was definitely a combination of things but i think you're you're spot on it was something that was happening gradually Mm -hmm. kind of same with like flipping that assumption right of like you know 
everything's negative to maybe the next hour is going to be okay. Maybe the rest of today is going to be okay. <laughs> maybe it's all going to be okay. Um, I think I found a few little habits that were working and I felt momentum like on a really small scale, right? Yeah. Like, um, I think it's important to focus on this small scale and not think about, you know, the big, um, changes or like, yeah. it's not like rocket science or like, you don't have to like completely change your personality. It starts from yeah. like very basic and practical things, I think. Totally. Like, I think early on, I was just so um, kind of emotional and in shock um, of like what happened. And just, um, I think, especially in the weeks that were closer to the, in the injury, right? Like there's this feeling of, man, I was just running super far and fast. I just had this great workout and like, I'm still like, I feel so close, but so far. Um, and so like in those early days of emotion, um, I tried to kind of make a um, challenge myself with just being really honest with anyone that I was talking to about it. Like my friends stopped by once for um, like, just to say hi. And I was like in the middle of having a total meltdown, like, like really, really emotional, like um, the kind of moment where you like, yeah, are just like a rock bottom kind of moment. Yeah. And Cord I, we hear the doorbell ring and Cordis is like, um, we, like they're all here right now. Like, did you want to say hi? Because at first I hear the doorbell ring and I was like, say that I'm sleeping. I'm not sure who it is, but like, I can't talk right now. And then them? I heard the mom up there and I was like, no, like come in, you know? And I just like sat there and just like really let it out in front of them. But I'm like, I'm looking at my friends in this moment and I'm seeing all of them. And I'm remembering as I'm crying and being like, how is anything ever going to get better? And I'm remembering as I look at each of their faces, like really, really hard things. I know they've all gone through themselves and they're all like, you know, nodding and comforting with this, like this knowing, you know, face of, yeah, like I've been there my own way before. And, um, I do think that that's what happens when we are open about these lows is like, even if people can't under understand the specific circumstances, like, like, I'm sure I can't understand the specific circumstances of those friends that were there with me in that moment, but we can all connect on, um, on how it made us feel. And so committing to being open with those lows was something I did early on. Um, and then I've also, um, been working with a sports psychologist that's been really helpful. Um, yeah. it's been something that's actually happened. Like I've started in the last few weeks, actually, um, and so, and that was actually just because like, I couldn't like get an appointment and stuff earlier, but, um, even though I was like really needing to talk to someone for some weeks there, but also like, um, I had, you know, like Cordis and like my, my parents like really played a role in that, in being there for me in some of those, like, especially my mom, um, who lives nearby, like awesome. she would really yeah she really spent a lot of time kind of being my caretaker would um just help me helps me kind of establish this like routine right um mm -hmm. and finding those things that would work and 
um, just like kind of finding what works and going with it. Right. Where it's like, okay, if we went to go get a juice and it was like one last hour in the day that I was feeling miserable, like, great, that works. Let's go with that. Okay. So you like being out and out and about or having some good food or seeing people like, or like having an interaction, even like of going to the coffee shop, placing your order, picking it up, telling them to have a good day. Like just like those little moments where you're like, I'm doing okay. Like I'm wishing well to others. Like I'm, I'm connecting with people out in the world. Um, and, um, I think those are the, some of those tiny things that just exactly. start to create momentum. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, exactly. and draw your attention outward to, to the world around you, to those around you and to like this greater perspective. Um, and then I think another thing that has really helped kind of like flip this overall narrative switch um, has been like, I really, I really like writing and I really, um, really like seeing like, I really like looking at my life through the lens that I would like a story, like, even if it's a story I would want to read, like, how do I live the story that I would want to read? The story that I want to be inspired by right now is how I want to build my journey from here. Like, and I, I've, I've found that as I think of like, okay, well, what kind of um, content do I want to be consuming or books do I want to be reading or documentaries do I want to be watching and like I realize like that what I'm craving is like I want to be I want to be reminded by others that like I can overcome this and I can be better out of this like and so I'm trying to um, create that story in my daily life um, and maybe that sounds like uh, I don't know, vague or wishy-washy or something, but it really does help me. Um, and it's kind of back to that, that shift that I had made to like assume positively, um, assume that I can like, yeah, build this into the story that I want it to be. And you're doing it. That's, that's what I'm trying <laughs> to do at least. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, I wanted to read um, an ab an abstract from one Instagram post that um, you shared maybe one day, one one or a couple of days before your surgery, and is a note to yourself about doing hard things, which um, I think can be a great learning for for anyone. At least it's been it's been for me. You can do this. You can do hard things. You actually have experience doing hard things. The only difference between you right now and you before is that you don't have your coping mechanism. You don't have the usual excitement that comes from pursuing goals and accolades, the endorphins from outdoor movement or the sense of momentum. You're essentially trying to muster up your greatest dose of confidence and grit yet without any of the tools that make that normally come easily. But you never have these tools when you start doing something new and hard. You start with a vision. Even if you never win UTMB or West State or get the AFKT on the JMT, 
the pursuit is worth it. It's worth it because it's one of the greatest love your, of your life. And you feel the most you when you do it. We keep going because we knew it wasn't going to be easy. We finished when we started. We leave the aid station, even if it's pouring rain, even if we are in the last place, even if we are the only ones who sees the vision because it's who we are. Um, and I found, you know, I screenshot this post and I've kept it in my phone since then after I read it um, because I think it's uh, it's beautiful and um, it can apply to, to so many challenges and circumstances of our lives, uh, especially as athletes. You want to add something to these beautiful words? Mm, thanks. Thanks for sharing. And thanks for, I'm glad that that resonated. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, a lot of reflections, I guess, within that. Um, I think like that, the, the part that, that sticks with me, um, and is one that I want to remember as I, trans ultimately transition back to training and everything is like this idea of like, it's worth it. Like the dreaming is worth it even without the, the outcome of, of that dream. Um, yeah. like the, the process of pursuing it really is, um, is worth it. Um, and not even just worth it. I mean, that's like such a cliche way to put it, but that it's what it's all about. Like that, that, uh, the unexpected twists are ultimately what make it life and not just some perfect world where we get everything we want. Um, and that even, yeah, like I said, without those desired accolades or outcomes that, that any of us in sports, um, you know, have and dream of that it's, that it's a process that's worth doing because, um, it's ultimately, I don't know, making us better, but we're also just getting to do what we love. So why would we have it any other way? I mean, yeah. just the, 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 the attempt of the pursuit is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it makes me think how there is like this kind of contradiction because be, between like how goal oriented we are as athletes and, uh, as people, because like our society is so goal-focused and goal-oriented um, and how we try to highlight and give importance to to the process yeah it's like you know we we are good athletes because we have a good result which you know are the result of the outcome of the training of the preparation but we need to take away importance for that from that um because if we give too much importance those results like they don't come in the way that ultimately is good for us i don't know how to put it but i found it's a great contradiction in, in what we do and i still haven't found a an answer or like a way out way out of this uh this contradiction because like you yeah, just I, like it. i do enjoy the process of training and everything but if i don't perform at some point you know i'm 
not going to be able to call myself a pro athlete. <laughs> um, right. Like you just describe the exact mind warp that is being a professional <laughs> athlete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and I guess we don't have to think about it too much, you know, because it it kind of comes naturally. Um, we're, we have some sort of talent and we put in the artwork and that's enough to give uh, ourselves, give us good outcomes, good results. Um, so I guess that's one reason why it's better to focus on the process and the result is just a consequence of this good process that we that we face, that we complete. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier with like, I wanted to talk to you while you were like in the midst of this, not mm. in light of some result of like, you did it, you overcame, but like, let's isolate this right now to the, the stage of the process that it is, which is certainly less popular and oh, not yeah. I get paid to do, but yeah. Uh, what I turn this into hopefully is what I get paid to do, but exactly turn out that that part doesn't ultimately matter. Or at least it's like, um, yeah, like the, the result is kind of like a lost cause if it didn't shape us in some way, like, because kind of this theme that you and I are both mentioning of like, it's not a challenge unless what was it you said it really well you were like it's not a challenge i don't think it's like have we, all the tools, yeah if we're not equipped with the like if we are equipped with the tools to actually face a challenge then it's probably not a real challenge like it's something that we actually know and we learned how to face and it just needs yeah, of course, like focus and concentration and energy and all the good things that we're able to employ. But I like to think about a challenge as something more. So yeah. that's, you know, just my idea, but I think well, it can, like, can resonate. For sure. And I mean, I think too, like the opposite of that holds true of like, I think we've, we've all been there when we have like a great day of racing where it it didn't, I mean, those days, at least for me, certainly haven't felt as hard as the days where I've like completely failed my goals. Mm. Like yeah. when it's going well, it goes well. And um, then I think of course there's this sweet spot, right. Where it's like, we dug as deep as we could and somehow leveled up in the process. But I think yeah. those are even more rare to come by. Yeah. But even like, you know, in my experience, the, the good days, the good result, like you somehow you have to deviate for, from from your plan, from your strategy and like do something a little above your abilities and what you thought was possible. At least that's what's been for me. Like if I limit myself to something that I'm comfortable with and that I know I don't think I would perform the way that I have in you know maybe the the best races that I I've done in my career um and we we can maybe trace a parallel with 
we know with the scientific research you know like scientists try to figure out a problem um without knowing whether first of all like whether they will be able to do so and uh, maybe without having the tools to to actually face this problem and i think it's it's similar for us mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i mean i don't want to get too philosophic but <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm right there with you i mean yeah yeah thank you so much for listening to running long in this quick break i just wanted to share with you a message from one of the athletes that we coached through bertrand named earl Earl is from the United States and in April he finished the Big Turtle 50 miler in Kentucky, beating his previous PR by over two hours. He says, Completing goals is a lot easier when you have a support team and a coach. I started with Bertrand in January 2022 and it's made a huge difference. I initially thought coaches were just for elite runners until I tried it for myself. The small amount I pay monthly is a steal. Coaching keeps me motivated, answers my questions, and the ongoing adjustments during training help me stay healthy. We were really proud to be able to coach Earl and watch his progress as an athlete. This is just one example of the progress that our athletes have had thanks to Bertrand. Earl is an explorer athlete who trains with our $25 a month coaching subscriptions. If you want to try out Bertrand Coaching too, Remember that you can get a 30% discount as a podcast listener with the code RUNNINGLONG30. Back to the podcast. Another question related to, to your injury um, and just to this whole period of, you know, being not being able to train, not living your, your normal life as an athlete. Um, do you ever think and doubt whether you can return to your level of performance that you were capable of and, and doubt about that? And like, how do you face this, this thought if you have it? Totally. Um, I, I definitely have doubted it at times. Um, I think especially like, closer to or right before my surgery where there were a lot more question marks of like will they be able to do what they need to in surgery um like will everything heal properly and I've I've had less doubt as things have started to heal well range of motion started to come back etc but like I think the greater thought there is that I I know that it took a lot of work to get to where I was before the injury, but I know that I know how to do that. I know mm -hmm. the way there. Um, I think the question is, will, will I be able to be patient enough to, mm -hmm. to pay my dues for a while to uh, get back there? And I, I, I feel like that was kind of how I would summarize really the first like part of my career would just be a similar phase of the journey where I'm patiently paying my dues and, and working away at it. Um, so I feel like I know the way there. Um, and that comforts me, um, yeah. because I was, yeah, it just reminds me of my starting point. 
That's but, a great confidence. Yeah, I think I I read a quote somewhere that was like when you when you're starting over, you're not starting from nothing, like you're starting from experience or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that is yeah, that like that knowing the path there is a, is a comforting thing for sure. Um but yeah, there's definitely been a lot of doubt. Um and yeah, I mean my goal is to you know, be able to use my UTMB spot, which I'm, I think technically after talking with them, able to defer to next year. So yes. my goal is UTMB next year. And that is a goal that some people have definitely <laughs> made faces when I mentioned to them before of like, okay, so you're trying to run UTMB in one year. All right. Um, and obviously like I'm trying to do so at a high level, if I'm getting to that start line. Um, so I, I definitely feel, uh, yeah, like the odds are not, um, not stacked against me, but like, I've got my work cut out for me. Um, but I'm really motivated to do so. And like, yeah, that's, that's ultimately the dream for me right now. And, and getting back there, uh, is something that's helped or the dream of getting back there is something that's really helped me through these hard times. Um, I'm not sure what your relationship with this kind of thing was like during your injuries, but like I do a lot of um, just visualizing and maybe daydreaming, but like just dreaming of, of what I want to be returning to. And that's not always like start lines and finish lines too. That's like, the easy run out back from home. Like it's all the things that yeah. are encapsulated in that return. Um, but yeah, those dreams make, make all of the annoying hours of PT and all the little things worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, you know, in my experience, I don't think I was, I was as good as you are, uh, or as you're you're telling us, um, but you know, right now after, I mean, it's not over, but it's been already a pretty successful season for me. I'm able to trace back um, the whole story and the whole process of of recovery, and then returning to running and actually training and building something important for me. Um, and that's easy to do, but when I was there at that moment, in those moments, it wasn't easy, and I had a lot of self doubt. Uh, I lacked confidence, and um, yeah, I I still don't know how high I made it, but uh, maybe you know it's just as we mentioned, focusing on the little things and uh, establishing good routines and. Um, also, I think one other aspect that I wanted to highlight is that we often tend to push people away when we're facing a challenge or we are stressed or, you know, we're going through a hard time. At least that's what's been in my case in the past, but actually reaching out for help and um, staying close to people, especially people that we love and that can support us 
who can understand is super helpful and super important. And um, you, it doesn't mean that you are less strong if you don't make it alone and you're reaching out for help, you're kind of showing yeah. that you're like showing your weakness. Um, it doesn't mean you're, that you're less worth as a person. Um, and that's something I've worked hard to to make mine, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, um, yeah, really uh, just special to see, um, you know, the, the connections that I'm able to have with people on this, both close to me and just like people um, who have maybe reached out, who've gone through similar things or or heading into surgery and like, yeah, connecting in new ways with people. Um, that's been, um, yeah, just like a really, I don't know, big human experience to, to go yeah. through. Yeah. Cool. So it's, it's been a kind of philosophical conversation so far. Um, I wanted to also ask you about your recovery, um, like how it's been in terms of, um, um like the training that you're doing the pt and everything so like how did you structure your recovery and training has it been based on something intentional um with the work you know of your coach and your physio and the medical stuff or you're just doing what feels right um so yeah let's see the first um six weeks here. I'm at the, I think I'm at the seven week mark right now, seven and a half. Um, but yeah, like really the first six weeks were kind of this, um, surgery recovery and like inflammatory phase where, um, I really had this same set of like, I think it was like six or seven exercises that not big exercises at all. Like it's like, moving my patella laterally, you know, massaging the patellar tendon, um, ankle pumps, um, things that are activating the quad, like, um, some, um, terminal knee extension, some things like that, that are just like pretty basic and tedious, um, and doing those like three times a day, um, probably about 45 minutes per session. So, um, I've been doing that as well as, um, like a lot of one leg cycling. Um, yep. I've generally just capped at, um, like the most that I've like let myself do with that. And like, in talking with my coach about it too, is like 90 minutes of that at the mm. top end. Um, so even though actually my PT said, yeah, you can go crazy on it. Like if you want to do three hours, go for it. Like my coach and I decided like, we don't need to go crazy with yeah. it. Like just to really um like get some blood pumping in my body, give yeah. me give my right knee or my right leg some some strength that will hopefully cross talk with my left leg. But um this isn't to try and like get fit for UTMB. This is not that. Of course. <laughs> um and so I think creating distinction has been um a helpful way for me to um, yeah, just put up some boundaries and let my body still be recovering and healing and doing what it needs to do. Um, and that's also been too, like, I've had some really, um, awesome conversations with some people who have reached out 
that, um, that I've connected with purely about this injury because they went through similar things. And that was a common thread of advice that was passed to me was to, um, yeah, to keep an eye on the, on the cross training and keep a healthy relationship with it. Um, yeah, exactly. Super important. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really, I'm really grateful that, um, that, that came up early because it's something that I can totally see how it would happen. Um, and Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's been good to put some limits in place, but like that being said, I'm also not like a very, um, like I always kind of joke. I'm like a, I'm like a type B personality runner. Like I'm like often doing my run at the very end of the day. I'm like more, I'm not super precise with like, um, I don't know, like I'm, I'm not like super, super strict with your training and yeah, like not try not to pay attention too much or like be obsessed with the numbers and everything. Yeah. Well, so I, I I do get obsessed like with like workout splits and things like that, Mm -hmm. but I think with how I structure my day, I'm not super meticulous and I very much like to go with like the flow of what feels right. So that being said, like training, there's days where it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to not today (laughs) or like, um, actually, I mean, in general, I've, I've definitely made sure to still keep, um, at least a day of week. That's just off of everything besides just like the really basic PT stuff. But even in addition to that, there are random other off days or days where I just hop on and say, I'm just going to do 20 minutes or something. So it's not like I'm like capping out that 90 minutes or something every day. Um, yeah. So those are like the, the general exercises I've been doing. And then, um, I've been also like doing some, um, work with a, um, registered dietitian, making sure that like, I'm getting what I need right now, food wise. And, um, that's been, that's been good. Um, and just like really trying to kind of call on all applicable practitioners possible to just, uh, really leave no stone unturned with the Mm -hmm. injury. Like, I don't want to look back and think, oh gosh, that would have been a great time to talk to such and such because, ultimately my hope is that these become things that are part of my toolkit as I move back into, to running and racing, um, and, and give me a new set of, um, a new level of detail and, um, precision to, to what I do. So, um, it's been a good time to like establish some of those relationships and, um, yeah, I've been, um, basically I did the first three weeks of PT in Colorado after surgery, um, and then went home where I actually, um, just worked, um, with, yeah, who I normally see for, um, like sports Cairo and things like that to just continue helping me with those exercises. And, um, uh, then I am, yeah, now here in Austria where I'll move into this phase of, um, uh, more like some left leg strength work as I'm now finishing my, uh, transition to weight bearing, um, and then starting to do like cycling with two legs on the bike. Um, that's been like, I've been starting to weave that in, but it's all, it all goes really slowly. Right. Where it's like five minutes to like bike today, 10 minutes the next day. Um, so yeah, the making those transitions slowly to some, uh, uh, more exciting cross training. And, um, and then, um, I think around, 
end of October, early November is when I'll um, be back in Colorado for um, like, I mean, potentially kind of based on how things are going, like potentially doing like return to sport testing around that time. Um, and the goal is basically to make sure that my left leg, the injured leg is um, 70% as strong as my right leg. And that's kind of the rule of thumb that they want me to aim for before reintroducing running to yeah. avoid creating any new issues. Good, good. Thank you for explaining in detail. And um, I liked how you mentioned that it's, you know, it's important to be serious with our training and to be intentional and to really do everything that it takes but at the same time not like not get obsessed and be able to set some limits and um you know even when you you talked about how you structure your day i i also think that there is something about running and training that doesn't need to be 100% under our control and uh is maybe more part of like a creative emotional aspects rather than a scientific and uh i don't know um yeah a scientific scientific aspect or that has like a necessarily a purpose um i don't know maybe maybe it's weird but to me running it's not just numbers it's it's way more um and i don't want my my relationship with running and sports to be dictated by by just that aspect even you know when i'm recovering from an injury and i do i need to do things in a certain way or uh maybe i need to do this and not that or you know do things properly so yeah I, I very much agree with you. Yeah. On that. Like, I think um, it's really important to get to be like reading ourselves kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like in just in terms like of understanding what we need uh, yeah. in a specific moment of, uh, of our career, of our life. Um, even, even if it doesn't like necessarily make a lot of sense from a scientific or training perspective yeah because not everything that i do is like goal oriented again um or like yeah like sometimes i do something because i need it mentally and emotionally <laughs> maybe not physically and maybe it's not good to do it all the time but i know that sometimes it's more important than not doing it well, and I would argue that in that way, it is goal oriented because like it, I mean, I know what you're, I know what you're saying when you say yeah. that, like, you're not going out and doing that thing with the goal on your mind. But like, I think in that way, like building a process that is leaving room for whatever that kind of thing is, is, is ultimately uh, building out like a, a more sustainable path to those, to those goals. Um, like for me, how I, I like I'll often joke, I'm like the, like, I don't know too many other 
runners who are like have the flexibility to run whenever by having made it their job and still choose to like often run at night for my for my one run of the day I don't really double um so like I'll often just be you know doing it late in the day and it's because like I do I know I have the flexibility to structure my day however I can and that's just often when I like doing it the most I feel um like at my best energy at that time of day um and I like having the the flexibility to work on whatever I need to work on during the day um and have have time and space built into my schedule and yeah like I think it's important to be heading for a run when you're in a mental state that um like yeah feels 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 like doing it um I don't like ever want to have to develop this relationship where I mean unfortunately the big asterisk is I have the flexibility to do this but like I feel grateful that I don't need to get up every day at 5 a.m and run and I don't really see the need to force myself to do that if I don't have to and um I don't want it to feel like something I have to do or um the core yeah yeah awesome Abby, I would probably keep talking to you for this whole afternoon, but uh, yeah. maybe it's time for you to to go to your PT or <laughs> leave you leave you to the rest of your day. And um, for sure, I would like to have you back on the pod. Um, maybe you know at some point next year or this winter um, at another stage of of your recovery process. Um, thank you for for everything you shared today, for being so authentic and, and so open. And um, yeah, I hope you you enjoyed chatting with me. Thank you. I really did. I um, always have felt like we're aligned on a lot of um, our perspectives of how we look at the sport and how we reflect on it. And so, yeah, I well, likewise feel the same. We could talk for a while. I'll talk so. more about the sport well, next time. <laughs> yeah (laughs) it's like kind of like what I talk about when I talk about my sport it's like I'm never saying words that are really involving my sport it's all words (laughs) that are like about I don't know (laughs) story journey mindset so thanks for indulging me in that thank you I we really appreciate and uh I hope our our, our audience will appreciate as well best of luck and uh have a great day thank you talk soon (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to our great interview today. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us with a rating and a review in your podcast player or by sharing it on social media, tagging me and Vertron. We would really appreciate that. If you haven't already downloaded the Vertron app, I encourage you to do so. There, you can connect for free with our trail runners of all levels in the Vertron community in our in-app groups. You can stay in trail shape with our free workout videos and get affordable coaching for your next running goal for only $25 a month. Thanks again for being here today. Until next time, I'm Francesco Puppi. Thank you for listening to Running Long.